0: On today's episode, we're going to start a four-part interview series with one of our EGIA members. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started, I want to run a short clip from our Seizing the Summer series. This is a 16-week program that launches June 1st and goes on every Monday for 16 weeks.
1: So let's jump into this. We're gonna focus right here on how to prioritize your time and do what matters most. In other words, how do you increase your performance and productivity? Well, we've done assessments and research with more than 1,260 different managers across the world. And you can see on the screen what we found in that research. Very fascinating. 68% of people feel like prioritizing their time is their number one challenge. Can you relate to that in any form or fashion with all these competing demands on your time? Yet here's what was interesting. 80% of those same people didn't have a process to do what matters most and prioritize their time. So there's a huge needs gap right there. Now if you look at the last bullet, for example, a person who develops the three habits that we'll talk about today will increase their productivity and performance by 30 to 50%. I've said that now several times because this is a big deal. And I'll get to this in just a few minutes here. What do I mean by this is, once you implement these three habits, you will accomplish this year 500 to 1,000 additional meaningful activities that you likely otherwise probably wouldn't have done without these habits. So this can have a huge impact in every area of our lives. So let's define, first of all, performance and productivity. These words are often used interchangeably as if they meant the same thing, but the reality is they mean two very different things. So performance, let's imagine that you have two archers. Each archer has three arrows. Performance, archer A draws back his arrow, boom, lets the arrow go, and it hits the bullseye. That archer hit the mark. So performance was high. They hit exactly what they were trying to hit. But let's say that archer doesn't shoot the other two arrows. productivity, not so high. They left something on the table. Lower output, but high performance. Hit the mark, but left two arrows on the table. Now, Archer B shoots all three arrows, but misses the bullseye. Productivity was higher. They had a higher output, but they weren't hitting the bullseye. They didn't hit the mark. So performance could have improved. Think about the sales, your revenue targets, everything in your organization. Performance is about hitting the mark, hitting the bullseye, the target. Productivity is about doing it at an increased pace or output. Both of these are important to the success of a business.
0: Now, if you're a premium member, you already have access to this, so make sure you tune in. If you're not a premium member, go to EGAA.org summer and learn all about it. Now, a while back, we had the chance to do a lunch with one of our EGI members out of Colorado Springs. Mr. Ben Carter runs SoCo Heating and Cooling. So we invited him over to chat with Gary Ellis and our team about everything regarding running an HVAC company. In this segment, Ben is going to talk about how he got into business what it was like the first couple of years hiring first employees technician theft and how that changed things moving forward and of course why he wants to grow so let's join Ben now
2: I you know I'd gone the college route first off and studied computers and computers aren't for me I I didn't really enjoy it it was too sedentary and a little too bouncing around to sit there Writing router scripts and, you know, dealing with viruses and that kind of thing. But that's what I was doing. And I ended up meeting a girl online and went chasing her into Texas and got to Texas. And everything dot com sort of crumbled over the weekend as I was moving. (laughs) And I got to Texas and, you know, I was fighting over... $10, $12 Ten, dollars 12 an hour help desk jobs with guys with master's degrees doing the same thing that I was doing. Yeah. But, you know, I had taken shortcuts there, too, so I didn't even have the degrees. I just had some work experience, and rather than fighting for a job that I didn't want, I went and started slinging booze in Dallas, because bartenders in Dallas make really good money, yeah. and it's easy, fun work, and, you know, most of your shifts, you're drunk by the end, so... Mm-hmm. You know, wasn't too bad. And then as uh, me and the girl started to get more serious and stuff, and I started talking to her dad, you know, kind of old schooled and and about, you know, marrying his daughter. He's like, well, how are you going to support my grandkids as a bartender? And so then I started going to work with him during the day, and then I'd, you know, sling booze at night, and, you know, that was pretty much it. And then I figured out that I kind of like working in the HVAC, it fit a lot of my stuff. I like the troubleshooting, I like talking to people, I like meeting people, I like having a new problem every day. And When you're running as an HVAC tech, every day is a new problem, every call is a new problem, and it's something new to figure out, and you know, so it just sort of meshed with me and I really enjoyed it. So I just kind of took it and ran. So I had worked for my father-in-law for a number of years, and then I was out doing the commercial side for a while It started with some residential with light commercial and then I went full commercial and was doing army bases and traveling the country for that kind of thing um, and then um, that company that I was working for sort of imploded on itself you know owner issues or whatever and I decided I'd go back into the residential side and started doing the residential and you know, at some point decided, oh, I could do this better than they can. And so I decided that that was the the move that we were going to make. So at the time, I was living in in Idaho, and uh, there was a company there, the company that I'd been working for. They were very, very large and controlled a huge amount of the market share. And for what I was wanting to do, I just didn't see it as a really great market. So we sort of transitioned back to Colorado again. It was Colorado with its multiple seasons, you know, none of them are too extreme. All of them are, are pretty solid and and the growth is, is huge here. So it seemed like the right place to go to open up a shop. So I sort of went through working for three other companies on my way towards building my own shop as we got moved down here. And... Just kind of rat hold money and did that stuff until I was finally got fed up and just sort of one day decided, all right, today's the day. We're opening up. So. What
0: were your first couple of years like?
2: With the, the company? With your company. Uh-huh. <laughs> painful. Uh, yeah, yeah, painful is probably you know when you first started up you're all excited and 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 ready to go and you know you're going to go out and take care of everybody and you don't have to charge as much as everybody else does and you can provide better service cuz you know what you're doing and half the people out there don't really know what they're doing and you know you know all of those all of those things that kind of get you feeling well like you should open up your own company I, and I could do it right right And so then, I mean, honestly, within the first two months, you know, a lot of that was proved right. People Mm -hmm. like good service, and they like it at half the price of what they can get it from, you know, the other shops for. So within two months, I couldn't answer the phone and run the service calls and do the installs and, you know, do everything else. And so... um, yeah, then it was just a matter of trying to keep keep up with all of those things and then, you know, the wife comes in and starts answering the phones and starts trying to figure out how to do the back end stuff cuz I'm just gone all the time in the field and yeah. you know, so really quick it turned into lots of word of mouth business coming through and then you're just trying to run circles to keep up with all of those things and you think, "Oh great, this is how it's going to be." And, you know, you're off to the races and then the weather changes. And you've done nothing to prepare for slow seasons. You've done nothing to prepare for any of those things. You didn't even realize that the only reason that you were, your phone was ringing was because people kept asking the question, who should I call? And so then they go and they call you. But now it's 70 degrees outside and nobody wants the HVAC man to the house. So now what do you do? There's no demand. There's no. Anything generating, and so now you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, and then you know, yeah, and then eventually you try to figure out a solution. But by the time you think you might have something working, the weather changes again, and now it's busy, and so now you're just playing catch up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you prefer
1: then commercial?
2: Or I actually, uh, you know, it depends on who you're asking. If you if you ask, you know technician ben i like working on the commercial stuff because i can just show up with my tool bag and a pile of parts and do what i got to do and you don't have to deal with a whole lot of stuff um you know so that that part has its perks you know on the the sales side of things which i did quite a bit of before i opened up my own shop it was that same kind of a thing of, you know, I, I enjoy that part of it, and I'd rather do that to the homeowner than to the commercial side, because the commercial side, it's, I don't know, I don't have as much experience selling on the commercial side, but, you know, I know it's 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 pretty much always a price concern is where, where, where my limited experience was at with it, and, you know, so the homeowners when you're talking about this is where you're going to sleep tonight and this is where your kids are and this is where this is you can talk about a lot more things you can create a lot more opportunity and 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 those sorts of things so I kind of like it on that side when,
0: when did you and your wife hire your first employee
2: mm, um about six months old we were six, month old. We, we were six months old and um we're already over our head with trying to figure out half of the things that were going on. Plus, you know, we have a family.
0: Sure.
2: So we've got three kids and, you know, the dogs and everything else. So life has to happen in there too. And once you start growing beyond the, you know, leave a message and I'll call you when I get a chance, you know, type of a company, then somebody has to be there to answer the phone. You know, if you are putting any money into advertising, well, if you don't have somebody available to answer the phone, then you've just wasted all that money. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, it, we hired our first person. We were, we were like six months old. We were still operating out of the house at the kitchen table. So it was, um, it was backup support for uh, Christy um, was the first person that we brought on. So who's yeah. the second person? What
1: role?
2: Uh, as a helper position to helper position. come carry the heavy stuff for me. When did that happen? Um, not long after that. It was right in that same time frame. So yeah, now we're getting all of the phone calls answered. That's great, so which means now there's a lot more work. Mm-hmm. And so then it turned into a whole lot of you know I've got a helper. I go out to an install or a job site, you know, because now we're doing an install two or three times a week. Plus I've got all of the service calls going. So then I'd go with a helper and I'd drop them off with directions on what to do. And then I'd go and hit a service call or two. And then I'd come back and make sure everything was going the way it's supposed to be going. And then I would make whatever changes or modifications I had to do or whatever harder part that I had to do that the helper doesn't know how and can't do those things yet and get that back on track. And then I'd take off and run a couple more service calls and then come back and you know get the install finished up about 8 o'clock at night and, you know, yeah
0: were those kind of like good times, like, you know, like things are going well, we don't have a lot of overhead
2: and y- yes and no. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean it was a it was a lot of it was a lot of fun for a while there, you know, in the same way that, you know riding a rodeo bull is a lot of fun for a little while. <laughs> I don't <have> <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take your word for it. Yeah it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've never done it either, but I see those guys, you know, it looks like fun, and then they go flying through the air, and now you got a bull chasing you. That part doesn't look yeah, so yeah. fun. So, sure, y- you know.
0: Colorado Springs, Pueblo?
2: Pueblo yeah. A little bit of, not, not as much into Pueblo, um, but mostly Colorado Springs, and then uh, we're slowly kind of growing north, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah, more towards the Castle Rock and some of those kinds of areas. You know. Some later designs on Denver market share. How big were we? Yeah.
1: In terms of employees.
2: In terms of employees, so when we moved, I had a service, a dedicated service technician, a dedicated installer, a dedicated helper for the installer. I was doing service and estimates yeah. and helping manage the installs. So one, two, three, four, and then we had Kendra in the office. Mm -hmm. And then if you count my wife and I, because we were active employees in there, so technically, I mean, I guess there'd be a total of seven of us at that point when we actually moved into a facility.
0: Things get less fun
2: there at that point? They got more real. Now you've got overhead. Mm -hmm. Now you've got fixed expenses that you never really had before, because you always had to pay the mortgage. It was shortly after that that we started to experience our first technician theft and those sorts of things. That was actually probably the biggest, you know, that, that just felt like, you know, getting stabbed in the gut or something, you know, you just like, you know, you, you set out as a technician with this goal of building, you know, this great place for, you know, other hvac guys like you to to come and work and everybody can just come and work and do a good job and you know take care of their families and everybody's happy and then you know then the realities start to come in that not everybody operates on that you know stand up ethical kind of place and you know then you realize that oh well you know we could have prevented that with some things in place mm-hmm. so now i guess we got to start putting some things in place and now you start You know, I guess that's probably when it started to get less and less about, you know, the guy in the truck and the let's get this started and the work. Yeah, and now it starts to turn into, you know, something a little different at that point. Now you've got to, you know, create policies and processes and put those in place. And then you've got to adhere to those. And then you have to get everybody on board with those things. And, you know, then it starts to peel away from the realm of, you know, have tool bag, we'll travel. Yeah. You know? I'm a cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I guess, I mean, the cowboy stage was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know? And you, it, it, you know, it, it kind of was a lot of fun. And then, you know, you just figure, I'm going to keep growing this, I'm going to do it bigger and more, and, you know, we'll just bring in a whole bunch of cowboys. And, yeah. well, yeah, that doesn't work. So.
0: <laughs> How long ago was that about? from today? Was that two or
2: three years ago? Uh, That was probably a year ago. Yeah, Yeah, a little over a year ago. Actually, it was just over a year ago um, that we found out that uh, the guy was stealing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, the family and I took our first little break since we had opened up and since we had done everything. And we took a long weekend, basically, and went to visit friends and have a big camp out back in Idaho. And came back and the first phone call I get is is you know hey this guy took my cash and he never came back with the motor and I look at the paperwork and there's no motor there's no nothing there's no anything and and then you're like oh great how many other times have you done this kind of stuff and yeah and then you start going through and you know that's not real fun either because then you go from this you know euphoric place and we've got the employees, we've got the this and everything's, you know, everything's going like, you know, as you thought it would in your own little head, you know, and then when those realities start to hit and, you know, yeah. 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 And if you're not prepared for them, you know, for us, it, it actually threw us into, uh, you know, all of us, it, it, you know, it, it kind of messed with everybody in the shop at that point. Cause you're like, wow, I didn't even, you know, think that people would do those sorts of things. There's just a lot of, you know, being naive, really, but, you know, people will do everything that they can get away with in some cases, so. So how
0: did that change things going forward?
2: (sighs) Um, Yeah, it changed quite a bit going forward because, I mean, at that point now, that becomes a very clear indication that you have to change the way that you are doing business if you are going to have, you know, any kind of a survivable, viable business, you know, unless unless you just want to stay the guy in the truck doing all of the calls, you have to start making a shift at that point, you know. And that was that was our first, I guess, you know, big indicator that we had to start, you know, changing that structure and, and, and trying to figure out what that even looks like. So, core values and core work. Yeah, yeah. You know, what do we stand for? What do we represent? What are we trying to do? What are we looking for from our employees? How do we want those employees to represent us? How do we get those employees to represent us the way that we want them to represent us? And how do you get those employees to cover the cost of having an employee? Yeah, then it it just jumps into a completely different realm at that point that, you know.
0: So you're in this transition point where, okay, <clears throat> maybe i got to do some of the less fun things <laughs> and, you know, have some of those things, those systems and processes in place and whatnot. Yeah. How long of a period was that before you got comfortable with that? And I know that part of that is going to be, am I comfortable today with that? Yeah, but, yeah.
2: You know, it, it's it's a it's an evolution. You know, it's it's just a, that continual growth sort of a thing. So, you know, the for the first bit, it was probably painful, a little bit emotional. You know, because you 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 had this vision in your head of where you wanted something to go, and then it, you know, it's sort of it's it's sort of to to a weird degree, it almost feels like the death of a dream, right? Yeah. You know dreams are great and then you open your eyes and in some respects there was some of that Mm -hmm. Um, but then you can kind of take that and you can either accept the new challenge or not and you know right right you know and there's there's nothing wrong with staying and you know keeping it a small thing you know it works for a lot of folks you know and that's great for them You know, I personally wanted something that, you know, my kids can take over if they want it or if they don't want it, they can go to Harvard and I can afford to make that happen for them, too. You know, whatever direction that is that they want to go, you know, and then thinking about, you know, what I want those golden years to look like for me. And so, you know, it it kind of came down to here's your wake up call. And then you decide what to do with that wake-up call and you either start to address it and and morph what it is that you're working towards or you don't. And, you know, I mean, I could have stayed working out of the house. I could have stayed, you know, going through a helper every three to six months and, you know, they come in there, they start learning some things and then they move on so that they can go to a place where they can have weekends off or maybe get a little health insurance or something. Mm You know, you, you know, it I just wasn't the right fit, I guess, for me. So it just became, you know, embracing the new challenge and, and, you know, that new stuff. So Awesome content from Ben right there. Now, if you're interested in
0: learning more about EGI membership, I encourage you to sign up for our 30-day free trial by clicking Join at the top of this page. You can try out all of the online training programs absolutely free. We have videos and programs on every topic you can think of, such as leadership, financial structure, pricing, in-home sales, tech communication and selling, and much, much more. So sign up for a trial and try it out for yourself absolutely free. And if you're already a member, well, then you better be logging in and watching all these courses. Remember, training is like eating. you got to do it every single day. Next week, we're going to continue our series with Ben Carter, part two. He'll talk about how he got into a pro training mindset and what that meant for his company moving forward. We'll see you next week. Until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.